fun song to do as I get to uh, hack on the banjo a little bit. I love it, though. It, what, it, what it tells us is that we belong to the Lord. We are his, and, uh, and the world can't take that away. You know, what the, what, the, what the Lord has given, the world cannot take away. So will you stand with us and let's sing it together. eternity in our hearts. We were yours from the very start. All we've known has been torn apart. Now we have forever. You gave a song for our souls to sing. And our life was the offering. Even death it has lost its sting. Baptist Church, we are so glad that you are here to worship with us this morning, and if you're joining us on Facebook Live, welcome. We are glad that you are here, and if you're a guest with us, we're especially glad that you're here this morning, and a great thing that you can do that helps us to get to know you is by filling out the guest registration card that's located there in front of you. Uh, there's a place if you want to receive our weekly newsletter, or if you have a prayer request, we'd love to be able to pray for you. At the end of our service, if you go out these double doors and turn left and walk towards the Welcome Center, there's a black box there that you can drop that in, and then we have a small gift for you in coming and being a part of our service this morning. We are partaking in the Lord's Supper today, so if you did not get one of these baggies with the elements in it, you can go by the double doors and one of our deacons can give that to you and you can have that uh, this morning. 
Sundays are always really busy, right? Especially 8.30 in the morning getting here. And I know some of us, maybe it was a hustle and bustle to get here. So we just want to take a moment to pause, reflect, prepare, and pray. And then we'll gather, continue gathering to worship this morning. Let's pause for a minute, bow our heads, and meet with the Lord as we uh, prepare ourselves to worship him. Father, you are so good to us, and God, as we're your people this morning, as we gather as the saints here at First Baptist Church, God, I pray you'd be pleased with our worship. God, we want to put our mind's attention and our heart's affection on you and you alone. We pray that you would be pleased with our worship. We thank you for allowing us the opportunity to gather. We thank you for it all in Jesus' good name. Amen. Will you stand with us to get again? And let's sing red letters. to you this morning. We surrender our hearts and our minds and our lives. You are the keeper of us all. We'll just surrender and let you lead. In Jesus' name. 
riches of this world will fade. The treasures of our God remain. Here I empty myself to owe this world nothing and find everything in you. The riches of this world will fade. Treasures of our Lord remain. Here I empty myself to owe this world nothing and find everything in you. I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. just surrendering all that we have to all that you are, Lord. Lord, the, we know that what you have given, the world can't take away. You've saved us and given us a hope for the future. And if we will just surrender to you, then you will make that, that plan for our life, the perfect plan. If we'll just surrender to your will, Lord, we ask you to be with us now. I pray that you'll be with Dr. Cox as he comes and brings your message. Open our ears and our hearts that we may see and hear from you today, Lord, and that we'll be changed because of the experience. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. Good morning. It's good to see you today. Good to be with you in worship. Hope you had a good Fourth of July holiday week. And, uh, want to uh, share a couple things about our church. This uh, Wednesday, we, our outdoor worship resumes. We took a week off this past week. We had great uh, times of worship in June, and we resumed that at 6.30 this Wednesday night um, with our outdoor worship at our rear parking lot. Rain or shine, be in the gym if it rains. Hope you'll join us on Wednesday night. At the beginning of our outdoor worship this Wednesday, we'll have the presentation of our budget and our leaders for the coming year and our calendar of events for 
for the coming year. If you're a church member, you want to review those documents ahead of time. They're on the walking track at the Resource Center. You're free to pick them up if you'd like to look at them ahead of time, or they'll be presented Wednesday night. I want to share with you about our outdoor baptism. It's a different place and a different date this year. It is July 25th, two weeks from today on Sunday afternoon at 5 o'clock. And it is at Barton Springs Recreation Area on Normandy Lake, different lake this year. And so we hope that you'll plan to be there. We have a picnic. We grill hot dogs, chips, cookies, drinks, uh, have baptism. We have eight people uh, already planning to be baptized on July 25th. If you're ready to confess Jesus as the Lord of your life, if God's been stirring in your heart, talk to any pastor. You could be added to that list, and we'd be glad to, to plan for your baptism on July 25th as well. Hope you will plan to come on that Sunday evening and share in that time of fellowship and picnic and witness those who are committing their life uh, to Jesus Christ. Today, we're celebrating the Lord's Supper in our worship. And you know, when you've been a Christian for a while, you've celebrated the Lord's Supper several times, and it's easy for it just to become a little bit rote, a little bit ordinary, uh, just go through the motions, and we sometimes lose sort of the sense of of, of wonder about the Lord's Supper and, 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 and how magnificent it is of what Jesus has done for us. The Lord's Supper, of course, is to remind us of the death of Jesus, the heart of our faith as Christians. Jesus died for us on the cross, and the little bread represents his body, and the cup of juice reminds us of his blood. And we know all of that, and we hear that, yeah, we affirm that, but it's easy to lose uh, something of the majesty of it. And one way, I think, to recover that is to go back and look at the Old Testament counterpart of that. You see, your Bible has two parts, an Old Testament and a New Testament, or an Old Covenant and a New Covenant. The Old Covenant was temporary. The New Covenant is permanent. The Old Covenant was with a particular nation of Israel. The New Covenant is with people from every nation who confess Jesus as Lord. And Jesus fulfills all of the Old Testament, and all of the Old Covenant um, looks forward to and foreshadows Jesus. So when we come to the, understand the death of Jesus, one way that helps us to understand it is to go back to its Old Testament counterpart, and, and we get a little bit of significance of it from that. So that's what I want us to do today, and for, I'd like for us to look at uh, Leviticus chapter 16. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. And we want to talk about the Day of Atonement, or in Hebrew, Yom Kippur, or Yom Kippur. Uh, atonement comes from two English words, at and one. How do you be at one with God? How can you have peace with God or be reconciled to God? The Day of Atonement is, uh, means how to be reconciled to God by covering sin. So God's holy, you're a sinner how can you know God? How can you uh, worship God? How can you be at peace with God if you're a sinner and he's holy? Well, atonement means a way that your sin could be covered so that you can approach a holy God. Now, in the Old Covenant, for the individual worshiper, there was a sin offering. You brought an animal and it was killed and sacrificed. You see, the wages of sin is death. Sin requires death. Well, God made a temporary way where you could approach him through the death of an animal rather than your own death, rather than you dying for your sin. You could sacrifice the animal. So they had a sin offering. Whenever you sinned, you could take to the priest this animal, and he would slay it, and it would be your sin offering. It would die in your place. But the Day of Atonement was a blanket covering for sin. There might be sins that you didn't realize you'd committed, unintentional sin. Every day we fall short of God. And so the Day of Atonement was a one-day-a-year blanket covering uh, for the whole nation to cover the sins of everyone and to make them at one with God or reconciled to God. And so the place where God met with them, what he set up this system of temporarily meeting with them, and there was a tent that they carried with them through the wilderness wanderings, later the same configuration in the temple, the permanent building that was built. Both of these had two rooms, an outer room called the holy place, and then an inner or back room called the most holy place. The priests would go into the outer room, the holy place, to offer the sacrifices day by day, but only the high priest 
would go in that back room and he only one day a year, the only person who could enter the most holy place was the high priest and he could enter only one day a year. And inside that most holy place was the Ark of the Covenant, like a box covered in gold. And inside that box were the tablets of the Ten Commandments, was a pot of manna to remind them of God's provision, and was Aaron's rod that had budded. And on top of that, the lid was called the mercy seat or the atonement cover. And there were these uh, carved cherubim or angels there. And so God designed when they did everything correctly, his presence would come down in that place and his glory would fill that back room, that most holy place, and they could meet with him. That was God's design. So we begin in in, uh, Leviticus chapter 16, verse 1, to understand this day of atonement. And it says in verse 1, The Lord spoke to Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron who died when they approached the Lord. Now that refers back to chapter 10. You can read it. What happened is Aaron had two sons, priests, not the high priest, but priests, And they did something wrong. It doesn't tell us exactly what they did wrong. They offered unauthorized fire. They didn't follow God's instructions, his commands. And they died right there in the temple. God struck them dead. Folks, one thing that will help us in going back to the Old Testament here as we come to the Lord's Supper is it helps us to understand the holiness of God and the gravity of sin. God's holy. They didn't do it right. And they died right there in the temple. And so now, verse 2 says, The Lord said to Moses, Tell your brother Aaron he's not to come whenever he chooses into the most holy place behind the curtain in front of the atonement cover on the ark, or else he will die, for I'll appear in the cloud over the atonement cover. So this chapter is given to Aaron so that the same fate will not come to him that came to his two sons when they did it wrong. So one thing we need to recover as we take the Lord's Supper is God's holy And sin is deadly. And I really think we've lost that. I don't think that we think God's going to do any of this today. Do we? Really? Really? You think God's ever going to strike anybody dead? We don't think God's like that. We don't think sin is serious. Christians, without shame, live together without being married. And they don't think there's going to be any repercussions about that. But we don't think God is like this today. We don't have any fear of the Lord in our culture. We're not ashamed of our sins. We're proud of them. We've just had a month called Pride Month where we are openly proud of what God says is wrong. We don't think we're going to get struck down for it. We're proud of it. And we think that we can worship God however we please. I've had people say to me, you don't have to go to church to worship. You know, you can worship God anywhere, anyway. We can make up our own rules for worshiping God. Ask Adab and Abihu about that philosophy and see what they think. I don't think they thought that was right. God was to be worshipped the way that he prescribed or he struck them dead. And we sit in judgment on God. I hear people say, I can't really believe in a God who who uh, uh, who would do that to the Canaanites in the Old Testament or I can't believe in a God who would do this or whatever. So we think we're morally superior to God. We sit in judgment on him rather than fearing his judgment. Do you see how we've gotten everything backwards? We've lost what this chapter is talking about, that God was saying to to, uh, Aaron, here's how you can worship me and not die. And I'm going to, because I'm a loving, good, caring God, in addition to a holy God, I'm going to make a way that you, under this covenant, your people can know me. So here it is. First, Aaron was to take a bull and kill it as a sin offering for his own sin. Because you see, he couldn't go in there. He's a sinner, the high priest even. So there has to be an atonement for his sin first. Let's read it in verse 6. Aaron is to offer the bull for his own sin offering to make atonement for himself and his household. So first, before he can make atonement for the sins of everybody else, he's a sinner, has to make atonement for himself. And so it tells us um, in verse uh, Twelve and following, I'll read more about it. He is to take a censer full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord. The altar is out in front of the temple or the tent of meeting. And two handfuls of finely ground incense and take them behind the curtain. 
So here he goes by, from the outer room, which was normal for them, to something that was only done once a year and only he could do it. And this heavy curtain separated the two. And so as he goes through that curtain, he's carrying a bucket, a censer full of coals that he's got off the altar where the burnt offering's being offered. And as he goes behind that curtain, he dumps that incense on the coals so that it makes sort of a smoke screen and so he won't die when he goes in. This is a way God has allowed for him to enter his presence and he dumps that incense on there, it smokes up and there's a smoke screen so that he can go in there. And then it says in the next verse that I'm reading in verse uh, 13, he's to put the incense on the fire before the Lord and the smoke of the incense will conceal the atonement cover above the tablets of the covenant law so that he will not die. Verse 14, he is to take some of the blood, bull's blood so he's killed this bull before he went in to, for his own atonement. And he takes some of the blood of the bull and with his finger sprinkle it on the atonement cover. He shall sprinkle some of it with his finger seven times before the atonement cover. And that is allowing him uh, to be covered and to enter. Then he's to take two goats. Two goats are selected. Verse uh, 8, it says, He is to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other for the scapegoat. And so there are two lot goats, and they're brought out before the people. The people are standing out in front of this tent of meeting or later the temple. And this on this day of atonement, they're all gathered out there. And two goats are led, and they cast lots or Roll dice, we might say, a chance kind of thing. And one of those goats is for the sin offering, the one that the lot falls to for the Lord. The first goat was killed as a sin offering for the people's sin. Verse 8, he's to cast lots for the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other for the scapegoat. And then uh, uh, down in verse 15, he shall then slaughter the goat for the sin offering for the people and take its blood behind the curtain and do with it as he did the bull's blood. He shall sprinkle it on the atonement cover and in front of it. So now he goes in, back in a second time. He's made atonement for himself with the bull's blood. He's now cast lots before the people for these two goats, slaughtered the, the first goat, take the blood from that goat and he goes back in, still that incense is burning and he goes through it and sprinkles seven times. The purpose of this is that sin is serious. The wages of sin is death. Somebody's got to die for sin. That's what we deserve for our sin. But God in his mercy has allowed this animal to substitute for your death. And it's not very real to us. We know the verse, all the wages of sin is death. But if you're standing there and this goat gets its throat cut and its blood is drained out into a container so we can sprinkle it, you really get the gravity of it, don't you think? Don't you think you'd really say, man, death comes from sin. And so then the second goat is called the scapegoat. And verse 20 and following, I'll read some verses about it. When Aaron had finished making atonement for the most holy place, the tent of the meeting and the altar, he shall bring forward the live goat. And he's to lay both hands on the head of the live goat and confess over it all the wickedness and rebellion of the Israelites, all of their sin, and put them on the goat's head. So out in front of the people, out in front of the temple, he lays his hand on this live goat's head and he confesses the sin of the people and it is an act of transference. Your sins are being transferred to this goat. He's going to carry them away. And so they confess their sins. There are three words in that verse uh, for sin. Verse 21, confess over it the wickedness, rebellion, and sin. One word means trespass, where you deliberately disobey God's commands. One word means perversion, where you just get things twisted. And one means just to miss the mark with your life. So those intentional and unintentional sins, those just falling short, they're confessed over that goat. And it says, it's still in verse 21, He shall send the goat away into the wilderness in the care of someone appointed for that task. And the goat will carry on itself 
all their sins to a remote place and the man shall release it in the wilderness. So they take this goat out in the desert that's had the sins confessed over it and they release it far away so that it can't come back and it is that symbolism of your sins have been removed far from you. They're not going to come back up. They're not going to be laid to your charge anymore. They have been laid on a scapegoat and have been removed. And it says in verse 26, the man who releases the goat as a scapegoat must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. So before he comes back into the camp, they've got to get some water outside the camp and he has to change his clothes and bathe because he is unclean. And again, uh, this is where um, our baptism came from. Where did we get this idea of baptizing people when you confess Christ? Well, we got it from John the Baptist who was doing a baptism of repentance. Well, where did John the Baptist get this idea of everybody? It came from these priests, these washings that they had to be cleansed. And John the Baptist came saying, hey, it's not just the priest, it's all of us. Why don't you be baptized as a sign of your repentance and your cleanliness? And it says then in verse 27, the bull and the goat for the sin offering whose blood was brought into the most holy place to make atonement must be taken outside the camp. Their hide, flesh, intestines are to be burned up. So they'd use the blood, but the rest of these sin offerings, not eaten like a fellowship offering, they're taken outside the camp. And verse 28, the man who burns them must wash his clothes and bathe himself with water. Afterward, he may come into the camp. Do you get just a little sense of the holiness of God? you get just a little sense of the gravity of sin, the deadliness of sin? Now, in the Old Covenant... Uh, in the New Covenant, Jesus fulfills every part of the sacrificial system. Jesus is the fulfillment of all that we've talked about. Let me just share it with you in the book of Hebrews. One of the themes of the book of Hebrews is that in the New Covenant, Jesus fulfills all the Old Testament. And so first of all, Jesus is our high priest. Jesus in the New Covenant is the one who makes atonement for us. In the Old Covenant, there's only one mediator between God and man, the high priest. He's the only one who can go in there, and he only one day a year. In the New Covenant, there's only one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And so he is the high priest, Hebrews 9, verse 11. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands, that is to say is not part of this creation. So uh, Jesus has gone not through an earthly tabernacle, he's gone into the presence of God. And he is that high priest who has made atonement for us. And Jesus is our sin offering. So he, he's the priest, but he's also the blood that the priests carry. Let me read it to you in the next verse, verse 12, Hebrews 9, 12. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once for all by his own blood, thus obtaining eternal redemption. Isn't that great? Jesus, once and for all, took his own blood. It says in verse 13, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them so that they're outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God. You know, he didn't have to take a sin offering for himself, did he? Uh, the, the priest did. Jesus does it because he's the spotless perfect one, the only perfect one. And so he offered himself unblemished to God. He'll cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God. How can you be right with God? How can you be free from guilt? How can you overcome the sin that you have done and, and be at peace? Jesus is the high priest Jesus is the blood of the sin offering. And it does not specifically tell us in this passage or in the New Testament, but I think we're safe in saying that Jesus is our scapegoat as well. For the same word that uses that the goat will bear the sins is used in the New Testament of Jesus, bearing our sins and taking them away, and he removes them as far as the east is from the west. And so Jesus is the one, he's our scapegoat upon whom the sins have been transferred to and he has taken them away from us and you don't have to deal with guilt about confessed sin that you've brought to Jesus. 
So how should we respond if that's true? Let me read you one more passage in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. See, I want you to feel confident in your relationship with God. Not uneasy, not worried, confident in your relationship to God. When you approach him the right way, when you come through the one mediator and confess your sins to Jesus. By a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Now, here's another part of the picture. Not only is the high priest, not only is he the sin offering, not only is he the scapegoat, he's the curtain that separated that most holy place. And the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain split in two in the temple from top to bottom. And so Hebrews says that's like the tearing of his body. The only way we get to God is through the tearing of his body, the rending of the curtain of his body. Verse 21, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, here's how he fulfills that. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. So what you ought to do today is draw near to God. Would you draw near to God today? Your heart's been cleansed. Your conscience has been cleansed. Your bodies have been washed with water. Would you draw near to God as we renew our covenant with him? And then the next verse says, Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Would you hold again today? Would you say today, boy, there's a lot of folks in our world who who don't believe this. I believe this. This is my hope. This is my faith. And I hold unswervingly to this. And the next verse is, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Has an effect not only on how I view myself, but how I view others. And it turns me outward to people in the church that I might be involved in the body of the church and spur one another on to love and good deeds. And then verse 25, and and not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching, the day the Lord's coming. It's approaching. And as you see it approaching, more than ever, you need to be meeting together and encouraging one another. And most people, when they quote this passage, they end right there because that's a neat ending. but, But you need to read these next two verses. Get the full picture. Verse 26, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. If you reject this way to be right with God, to have atonement, where are you going to go? Where else can you go? There's no one else who makes atonement. Verse 27 says, There's no sacrifice left for sin, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. So there is with us that confidence mixed with a healthy fear of the Lord. I want to invite you to take out the elements that you were given you want to share in the Lord's Supper with us, we invite you, if you're a guest with us, if you're a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, you put your faith in Jesus, you've been baptized, and uh, we invite you to share with us. If we somehow missed you, uh, if you'll raise your hand, one of our deacons has some, the uh, elements, we'll be glad to, to serve you. Anybody that we missed? So one more time, we're doing this this way where we have individual servings of the Lord's Supper. So we, there is a loose piece of bread in that little sandwich bag we invite you to take out. There is also a wafer on top of that cup, but most of us have found that to be untasty and uh, hard to get to. So we've, you can use it if you prefer, but we have a little square of unleavened bread uh, there. So if you can find that, hold it for a moment. I'm going to pray over it, and then we're going to eat it together, okay? Let's pray. As we pray, I want to invite you to confess your sins and let them be transferred to Jesus, who is our scapegoat and our sin offering. So this is a time for us to lay our sins on Jesus. You've confessed your sins before if you're a believer. You've confessed them many times if you're a long-time believer. But you never outgrow confession. So would you just examine your thought life, your conversation, 
your relationships at work, how you're treating your family, how you're serving God, how you're worshiping God. Remember the sons of Aaron, it was in regard to their worship that they were judged. Does the Holy Spirit bring anything to your mind that you need to admit to agree with God about and to transfer to him? Either you're going to die for it or he's going to die for it. Be far better for him to die for it. Give you just a moment. Anything you need to say to God, now's the time to say it. Draw, let us draw near to him. Let us hold fast. Oh, Lord Jesus, we are in awe that you loved us enough to be our sin offering, that you died willingly, that you allowed all the sins of our ugly failures to be transferred to you. We are so grateful that you have taken them away and that we are at one with God. Thank you that we can have a conscience that's no longer guilty but at ease. Lord, we love you. We confess our sins. We draw near to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for being our atonement. We pray this prayer in your name. Amen. Jesus said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over this, so I'll give you time after I open it, uh, after I pray to open it. Uh, so let's pray together. Now, let's move toward commitment of our lives. Hebrews said, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good works, how we can encourage one another. What do you need to commit your life to positively? We've dealt with the negative. We confessed our sin. Now, in this recommitment time, what's God calling you to do? What needs to change in your life moving forward in a positive way? How do you need to minister? How do you need to serve? How do you need to worship? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Oh, Jesus, we commit our lives to you as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to you, and we renew our love for you and our commitment to you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that we're at one with God through you. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to invite you to carefully peel the lid off. There's, there's two little flaps. You, you would probably peel both of them off all the way down. Take your time. I'll give you plenty of time. Some people may need to help kids do this. You have to do it sort of slowly so it doesn't slosh out on you. At the end, you can put your trash in the little baggie, and there's a trash can underneath the offering receptacles, underneath the offering boxes by the back wall as you go out. There'll be a place for you to put your trash, your baggie there. Okay. If you've had time to open it and get your family situated, Jesus said, this is my blood, which is shed for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. Now, it may be that you've never entered into a covenant relationship with God. You didn't have anything to renew because you've never entered one. And if today you want to confess Jesus as Lord of your life, willing to be baptized, to openly declare your faith in him, I invite you to meet me at the Welcome Center after this uh, closing prayer of this service. And uh, we'd be glad to plan for your baptism in July or in August back in our church, whichever you prefer. 
Today you can confess your faith in Jesus. Today you can join our church. You need a church home. Again, meet me or another pastor at the Welcome Center, and we'd be glad to help you become a part of this church family. Thank you for being here today. Gratitude is an amazing thing. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that God saved me. Let me get my glasses. Now, this song says it really well, so let's stand and let's, let's just express to the Lord our gratitude for his saving us. can I give to you? What can I offer to the King for all the love you've shown? For all your mercy over me? I called your name
So if you're not involved in a connection group, as you're exiting out these doors, if you head down to your left there, you'll see a welcome desk, and they've got a list of all the connection groups and the locations where they're at, and they'll make sure that you get there. They'll help, help you find that room, and it's a great way, again, just to be able to connect uh, with other people here in our church. Uh, don't forget all the, the uh, announcements there in your worship guide, the, the lake baptism, the, the Wednesday night services out in the parking lot. There's other things in there. Um, and as a, a reminder, on the day that we uh, take the Lord's Supper, it's been our practice to uh, take a benevolent offering. And so all loose change, loose dollars, money that's not in an envelope uh, that is back there in our offering boxes right now will go toward that benevolent offering. And so just want to remind you that you can drop your tithes and offerings there in the, the boxes there on the back wall. And again, anything that's not in an envelope will, be, uh, will go toward that benevolent offering. Let me close this out in prayer and we'll be dismissed for this morning. Father God, we do just stop to say thank you for saving us. Thank you for saving us from our sin. Thank you, God, for <clears throat> drawing near to us, to desiring to have a personal relationship with your people. And Father, you, you sent your very own son, Jesus, to die so that we could have life in him. So we thank you, God, for his bloodshed on the cross that we can be saved, that we can have eternal life in you. God, we pray this week that you just help us uh, to, to live faithfully to you, to point other people to you, and to draw near to you ourselves. God, it's in your sons, and we pray. Amen. One, two, three,